for some reason, clients are really stingy when it comes to content. And I think it's because they don't really understand it. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we're dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, welcoming to the show from Chinatown NYC, a good friend of our agency, Rachel Yeager. Uh, she comes from a agency called Human or maybe an anti-agency. We might get into that a bit here in a second. Her and her co-founder, Michael Ray, started way back in 2013. Uh, and they are a creative and technology studio. They're producing awesome stuff. Welcome to the show, Rachel. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Chase. I'm so excited to talk with you. Oh, yes. We've been talking already for like 10 minutes before <laughs> this. We've got a good groove going. I know. I I was kind of nervous I wouldn't say enough. And then I just found myself really opening up to you. So I'm excited to be here. I mean, we're just... I don't know. We're like essentially the same agencies in different cities. Uh, we, we definitely have a lot of the same values. So it's easy to talk to people that you... Uh, I don't know. I'm like drawing a blank on the word I want here. The coffee hasn't kicked in yet. I mean, like-minded individuals. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds good. <laughs> awesome. So let's go way back to the beginning. 2013, you guys start a shop. And you you had mentioned this earlier, like just like <laughs> us over at our agency, like we don't have a traditional agency background. And you kind of stumbled into uh, creating what's now human. So let's just talk about that history a bit. Yeah. Um, so just feel free to cut me off if I'm being boring. Um, but my, my monologue here... Um, is that my background's in marketing and I kind of fell into project management. I had started um, at an agency called Gin Lane. And at the time, there was only like five of us. So it was really like, okay, these designer people design things and these developer people build things and these things are websites and clients pay us for them. And I kind of just organically got the lay of the land. And I think what was cool about Gin Lane was you know, curating the right kinds of clients to work with. And then it was just a bunch of people trying to do good work for each other and the clients. So like as a team, really early on in my career, I saw how important it was to like be in the trenches together because you're not just shipping something for a paycheck, you're shipping something to like make your buddies proud. So um, I met Michael, my co-founder and a dear friend of mine now, yeah, way back like over 10 years ago. And we were on um, all of our same projects together. And what I loved about Michael was like his empathy and compassion. And he never made me feel stupid. I think especially back in like 2009, when web was like super nebulous and like clients thought like some elf in a dark corner was like cranking out code and no one really understood it. Michael was just like, ask anything you want, like trying to find the, the value, make people see the value in his work. He was like so good at that really early on. So when we started Human, it was really this one foot in front of the other interesting opportunity to do the do the things we wanted to do in our own way. And I think, you know, both of us don't have a ton of like large corporate experience. I know Mike was at Code and Theory for a little bit, but I never like went to Apple or Google or um, I never worked at a large agency. So I'm very much homegrown. And I think that 
intuition has brought us to where we are. And I think, I mean, I've always, I try to be diligent about doing postmortems with our clients to figure out what we could have done better and where we're lacking. And I think I have a lot of self-consciousness about like, oh, we are, we're not as buttoned up as other people may be. But then after I work with people, the feedback's usually like, whoa, you know, everything was super heartfelt. And like, this is a really complicated process and you guys did bring your best. And I think being in the field, and you can probably attest to this too, there is really no right way to do anything. And I think with like a larger agency, kind of what we were talking about before, I think that there is probably a lot of um, cohesion and consistency and time tracking. And what I mean by buttoned up is like, you know, we have three and a half hours left on this PDP. And, you know, any further revisions will require an agency rate of 400 an hour. And I feel like that um, really almost like robotics, roboticism could come with like a larger shop. But I think, I don't know, I feel like I, I just never wanted clients to feel like I was like funneling them into a process that we do over and over and over again and like churning out work. I feel like we do everything on such a per project basis and all of our projects are direct results of our founders. So like if our founder is, you know, really trusting and, and brings the right things to the table, well, then that project is going to go super smoothly. And we just end up jamming and creating really good work. And I think scoping a project is all about protecting ourselves and the client. But I also have always wanted to like leave enough wiggle room to have a, a playground and let mistakes be made in a good way. You know, if something doesn't feel right, if just it, it shouldn't matter that we're only on that we're on our last round of revision scope wise, like it's a fine line because you want to really make something that you're both proud of. But inevitably, yeah, I just feel like there's a dance of, well, yeah, we're at this many hours, kind of what feels fair for both of us. So it's it's largely conversation-based. And I, I really love that about our work. And I think, of course, it has its downside. Like I always talk to my friend John about this, but you wouldn't go into a chef's kitchen and say, hey, this is how I want to cook my... This is how I want you to cook my meal. You know, you'd go into a restaurant and you'd be like, oh, I heard these guys make great food. I'm really excited to be here and kind of let them do their thing. But if you have an allergy or you definitely want a specific meal, you would be heard at that restaurant. So I feel like, yeah, a lot of conversation based and to our little convo, like I think in that way, we almost built the anti-agency agency because I just didn't want to do things so strictly. And I just imagined, you know, this madman, madman style where like, you know, you have some big founders and then you have a slew of art directors and creative directors. And then you have like um, account directors and then project managers and then this whole layer. And then you have like the intern in the corner. So I was just like, I don't want to have these layers and layers and layers. I, I I kind of just want to put small teams together who are really good at what they do and then, you know, hopefully get clients that that value that work and and see what we can make. Yeah. So yeah, humans we're we're going on 7 years and we're slowly growing the team. Um knock on wood, we've never we've kept the whole team intact and I think I don't want to like, you know, jinx myself in that sense, but like Sasha is a designer developer and we've worked together for over six years. He was there with Mike and I since day one. And then Rinaldi, we've worked together for over three years. And then Pam's been there for two years and Raleigh. And 
we just hired another designer. And I think another thing we're trying to do really differently is not only keep our team small, but just like be really, really careful about hiring instead of seeing a project come in and then hire because, you know, this project would afford us to. It's more like we like don't try to hire. We really like it's like our we never think about hiring and we never. um, Yeah, I think in that way, it's just allowed us to like build a really, really good team because it's not something that we put a lot of emphasis on. It's almost like I mean, we may put out a site at some point. I, I think about it a lot, but we've never had a website because we never wanted those traditional case studies and people pointing to things on our site being like, oh, I want that. And then it's like, well, you can't have that because that's another person's. Yeah. And I think that showing your work too much boxes you in. And I think something that I was talking to my friends, um, Grace and Rob, they have a studio called Decade. They do really, really great branding work. But I think what's also important for like clients to understand is when you're on the internet and you see something, there was probably a bunch of different people that worked on that. And I feel like... I think it's really important to clearly articulate like what portions of which project you had a hand in. Um, now we're more like a holistic studio and we do cover a lot of moving parts. But yeah, I think I just didn't want to like list like, oh, we dropped the new Stojo site because... For Stojo, we only did like the rebrand, the art direction, the content creation. And then our friends Sam and Kevin did the design and the development. So I think, you know, giving credit in our industry and community is really important. And yeah, anyways, monologue aside, (laughs) uh, what else do we have, Chase? Oh, no, no. I was taking notes the whole time for follow-up questions. So it's great. (laughs) So kind of what we talked about before this a little bit was just talking about how the process might work if you're a small business you know, and you've got your initial traction. Uh, Obviously, over on our side, we do a lot of work in e-commerce. I know that you guys do some work in e-commerce as well. So one thing that you mentioned is kind of like the process is a little bit wild on some of these projects because there's a lot of moving parts. And that's something that we find all the time with these e-commerce projects is e-commerce is probably the most difficult website to build other than like some crazy custom SaaS product. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. you have to be agile to make these things work. Yeah, I feel like I'm and I'm working on embracing that. Like I was so hard on myself for like years about being like, we have to figure out a process. We need to have a formula. Like there needs to be a flow and the right way to do things. And, you know, everyone throws around best in class. We want a best in class. It's in our scope. We create best in class. And now I'm trying to think like, what does that mean? Because there's really like, I think now because e-com sites, especially, but like the internet is now a best in class world. Like it's so, it's not really novelty. Like the internet is just another world to build internet homes on. Like the internet is now everyone's figured it out. Like you can use the universe app, you can use Webflow, like you can drop a proof of concept on your own. And like, I think it's exciting because like where we sit now is like doing things differently. Like why does the mini cart have to slide out from the right hand side just because it always has? Or like right now I'm having conversations with clients that are like, generally a homepage has seven to nine sections and 
they flow as in like um, intro to the brand, value propositions, product introductions, how it works, reviews, testimonials, and then maybe like a jump to our ingredients page or secondary supporting editorial. Like I feel like we now actually know the gist of quote unquote, like good e-com. And now I think it's the coolest, best, most innovative, like thoughtful stuff out there doesn't follow that anymore. I think it's it's actually looking at the client and the brand and the product and saying, okay, well, who's the end user? And like, what do they need to know? And how can we make this journey? Because we all know what we're doing now, especially for them. Like, I think the next wave of stuff shouldn't look so similar to what's already out there. And I think there is validity in doing things a certain way. Like you want people to be able to check out easily. So there is a sticky nav that says get started or buy now, um, which makes sense. Like I'm not totally trying to go against the grain and, and be crazy, but I think we're finding this new excitement and, you know, do we have to do things the way that we've always done them? Um, and I think that's really special. Yeah. Let's be honest today, all of your customers are going to have questions. And what are you doing to manage all those questions? Do you have a help desk for your business? One of our sponsors of today's episode is Gorgeous. And Gorgeous is the number one rated help desk for e-commerce. It integrates seamlessly with Shopify. We have installed it on a bunch of stores. It's also used by brands like Movement and Rockies. And what it does is it takes all of your customer insights and information, brings it into one amazing dashboard so you can solve their problem as quickly as possible. If you want to give Gorgeous a try, visit gorgeous.link slash honest. That's G-O-R... G-I-A-S dot L-I-N-K slash H-O-N-E-S-T to get your second month free. I would argue that what you're saying, like going against the grain and, you know, essentially going more into a design oriented e-commerce experience, that definitely works. But you have to have a brand that supports it. If you're a new brand, you don't have much existing sales. The further you go against the typical e-commerce journey, I would argue is probably being detrimental to the growth of your brand at that point. But like once you've got like sales going and you've got a, a community behind you and your brand is really solid, then you can start to take some risks and those risks sometimes pay off. Yeah, definitely. And I think it is about figuring out what your client needs and when, because we're in this like whole headless CMS world right now. But clients, a lot of times, don't have an in house dev team. And we really try not to have any retainer or any maintenance clients because we want to build something that we can then go empower the client to manage and run and update and utilize themselves. Like we place a lot of emphasis internally on like making things as editable as possible so clients aren't so beholden to us. Mm-hmm. So I do think there is that fine line of like let's do something, you know, really authentic to this brand, but let's be responsible about it and make sure that they can maintain it. And I do think, you know, a lot of clients if they're coming to us maybe for an e-com portion of the project, like I think three months is a really good sweet spot of being like, you know, we're going to spend four to five weeks cranking out a homepage, a shop all page, a product page, a mini cart, a cart page, an about page, an FAQ page. And we can do that easily together. I think something that I want to talk to clients about more 
and and incredibly like way earlier that I'm trying to work on doing is like also the content, like what came first, the content or the website. And I think a lot of clients, they're not lazy, but they're like, oh, well, we don't know what to create until it's designed. And I'm trying to make people more aware of like what we design depends on the story that we're telling. And we don't have that story until we discuss like video, animation, photo, copywriting. Like I feel like right now really pressing a client to invest or do the work of coming to the table with that already done. Um, also will drive what the entire experience looks like. Oh yeah. Because, you know, if they have um money for like some really cool animations and like, you know, we might get fancy on the front end, but if we really are only working with like a slew of product photography and then, you know, limited copy, well then that's going to be more straightforward. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio knows modern e-commerce is moving fast. Between email, mobile, and web, it can be hard to keep up with consumers and personalize their experience with your brand. Think of Clavio as a central command center for all your digital marketing needs. With email marketing, dynamic website content, social retargeting, SMS automation, and more, you'll take back control of the customer experience and own your business growth. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 brands like Casemate, Kapari, and Brooke Lennon. Ready to find out how Clavio can help your business grow? Visit Clavio.com to schedule a demo. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. So like we get hit up all the time and people will send us a laundry list of websites. First of all, these are sites that probably have hundreds of thousands of dollars invested in them. And it's like, hey, like let's set some expectations here. I know that's not your budget. And then second <laughs> secondly, like the one thing they all have in common is beautiful photography, amazing videography, copy that was tailor-made for the brand. And I go, yeah, we can make a site look just like that if you have content that looks just like that. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's the thing cuz like, you know, again, it's like best practices, all that jazz, best in class, whatever. It's like you make a site that works that's speedy and quick on e-commerce. If you work with an agency that's been around for a couple years, they probably have something that's going to be great for you. Mm-hmm. But what's going to separate a good-looking site from a bad-looking site is going to come down to the content at that point. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, it would be interesting actually to break apart. I mean, I try to do it in my early conversations like here are all of the components that like the, here's the ingredients to making a really good brand and business. And I try to explain like even like the ops, logistics, marketing, the engine that's going to keep running and then down to like communicating the vision and like investing in photo and video. For some reason clients are really stingy when it comes to content and I think it's because they don't really understand it. So, yeah, having those conversations around like, "Oh, we really you really like this site. Look how amazing their content is." So, let me break apart content for you. They probably worked with a world-class like or like best-in-class whatever, a really really good art director to like communicate that ownable and recognizable style for that brand and then they you know hand selected the right photographer or videographer to work with that could realize their vision and then there was casting like look how much these people like mirror the end user that they want and then like context look at the location like the scouting like really I don't know trying to break down what goes into creating that magic for a client I think sort of helps. I think I also maybe I can overwhelm clients by being too like 
this is everything that goes into this. And then they're like, oh, well, we only have $20,000. And I'm like, I think it could be interesting to publish something one day if we could like get the forces together. That's like, this is this case study. And like, this is truly the amount it cost. And these were like all the things that went into it just so clients could really understand like, oh, that's why that cost 100K. Here's what it's built on. Here's the team that worked on it. And um, here's everything that went into it. Because the more clients understand, I think the more they will invest. I've also heard from clients that right now, they feel like they are getting quoted really high. So they also sometimes like a couple of them were like, oh, we came to you with a lower number because we've gotten such high quotes. We just didn't want to like have the wool pulled over our eyes kind of thing. And I was like, I think the whole negotiating side of our work is also really complicated because you know, you can look on stocks, see, you can make a 20K site. Like I'm not saying that's not possible by any means. You can make a beautiful 20K site. Like, um, but I think like pricing things so it's fair enough where like our team has payroll and an office and I, you know, I'm not charging too much, but charging enough where you can work with the right people and like get that really cool photographer that's going to make us look different. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think... I don't know, Chase, have you run into that? Just like really communicating... It's during um we like have an on not onboarding brief. This is even before a proposal is sent. We have a brief form and it has a question in there verbatim says, Do you have in the pipeline like produce like will you be producing content for this project? And then like, if so, where is it? Like, let me see like what's going on. It's like Yeah. Right first from the get go. And then I start talking about that. And you know what? Well, as you were talking about getting the forces together, talking about the like uh the investment that goes into these amazing websites, like all these DTC brands that are now getting VC backed, it's like the investments behind those things are insane. I would love to pull some of these brands apart in a sense of like, let's just recreate those websites with garbage content and show people the difference. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, um, we used to say it at Gin Lane and I still say it to clients today is like, websites are just gray boxes without content. So, like, and that's interesting too, how responsive some clients are versus others over on wireframing because some clients can really walk you through, oh, here's like the intent of each section. And then I want to be able to talk about this and I want to show that. And other clients are like, I cannot imagine this thing until we start having some like swipe or placeholder imagery. Um, so maybe that also comes from, again, back to the thesis of websites are kind of a reflection of their founders. It's really about like how much that founder can bring into the project if they've got that vision or if they're going to trust us to establish that vision, I think. Oh, yeah. So I do want to go back to before you were saying like, you know, it's some people kind of push back against content and investing in content because they can't, it's not easy to draw a straight line between content and ROI. Just like investing in brand, it's hard for people to draw that line in their head. But if you're like, Facebook ads get five times ROI, they're like, cool, I'm going to dump all my money there. And then they don't realize that they're actually burning money because they haven't made those investments in those other two avenues to like make people actually care. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, well, what are you placing those? What do those Facebook ads look like? Like you still need assets there. Um, and and I feel bad because I was talking to a strategist and copywriter and a dear friend of mine that we work with frequently, Emma, 
Um, sometimes it's like, because a client knows that they themselves couldn't type on a keyboard, they like don't place value on copywriting because they're like, oh, I can do it. But then when push comes to shove and we're like, hey, could we get a first pass at homepage copy? They're like, uh, no, could you write it? And I'm like, this is the convo that we were having when we were scoping this, you know, because it, I think like, or they'll say like, oh, I have a friend that can take photos for me. And I'm like, that's all well and good. But like, you know, your friend who takes cool photos of their baby or like a squirrel in the yard is not the the right person for this project. So I think, yeah, yeah, it's, it's sussing out that content convo is my new, like, I don't know, goal. You gotta you gotta put it on the 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 list of questions that you asked during those calls. Uh, just going like typing on a keyboard, I can do it myself. I wrote the copy for the new Electric Eyes site. It took me mm-hmm. three months and over forty hours of my time to do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a copywriter by trade, but I really wanted to get across what the agency does, and it took me forever. Mm-hmm. And now we're like investing in the honest e-commerce site and there's going to be some cool stuff coming out. Maybe it'll be out by the time this podcast launches. And I just immediately hired someone. (laughs) Yeah. And I think there has to be synergy. I also... I mean, at Human, I always directly introduce... like I think a selling point of ours is like you will work with the team that we've curated for you. So like I will ensure there's synergy between that copywriter and the client. Cuz if there's not, you know, I don't want to like force them to work together and I think that's a cool thing about us is like I'll we'll hand pick the like right team for the we always say like the right people on the right projects on the right platforms. And I think that does go a long way because if a client works with like an art director and they're really excited about their vision, then they will be more trusting when that art director says, you know, we're going to work with this photographer and they have an 8K day rate and they need two assistants. And, you know, we charge a production fee. Like it makes those conversations easier. I think once a client gets to know like the team member, but yeah, what came first, the content or the the website? I, I think the content convo at least. Yeah. Want to get each new episode of Honest E-Commerce sent straight to your phone? Join our VIP texting list for updates on new episodes and exclusive deals from our partners. Text Honest VIP, that's H-O-N-E-S-T VIP to 72599 to join. By the way, we're powering our text messages with PostScript, the number one text message marketing app for Shopify stores. Check out the show notes for a link to install PostScript for free today. It's definitely it's a chicken or the egg situation. So let's let's kind of shift gears here and kind of give some advice to the listeners. If they want to be a good client, if they want to have a good project, they want to have a good experience with their agency partner, you know, what do those clients have in common? I mean, this is like my dream question and I'm finding it so hard to answer. I think recently I'll think of a specific client and I don't think she'd mind my naming her, but the founder of um, BASE, it's an at-home blood and saliva testing kit. Anyways, let's take her for example. She was extraordinarily trusting and really decisive. So I think 
being respectful in the sense that like you don't want to waste your agency's time. Um, it's okay to not know what you don't know. That's why we're here is because we build websites and you make this incredible product. So we're coming together to like, you know, make a home for it and make other people fall in love with it. And I totally respect that when clients are like, I'm not a designer or a developer. And I'm like, I'm not either. Um, so we're in this together and we're really excited to like make something awesome for you. But I think like a lot of just respect and like I think again with the restaurant analogy like you wouldn't go in somewhere and 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 then say like hey I want to try everything on your menu and you know did you ever think about putting sage in the spaghetti and like you know instead of um rye bread do you think you could go build me a sourdough like I think sometimes clients don't realize just like how off the wall they're being and I'm like this you would never do this um, in any other industry. And I think because they don't sit... I mean, it would be a client's dream to sit right next to the designer. And right oh my gosh. It, I mean, sometimes I, I am guilty. I mean, Mike and Pam, our designer, and Sash probably are like, I am really guilty of this. Like, I will put a client and, and make them as involved in the process as, as my team will allow because... I feel like they get to see the level of effort that's going into what they're creating because sometimes when you show a client like um, early designs or a staging link or something, they all of a sudden have this like autonomy feeling where they're like, oh, let's change this, shift this, move this. Because they, for some reason, think it's really easy and they can't see the thought and the like, you know, the 10,000 hours that our team member has that allowed them to make that swift decision. So anyways, I think clients that are like really trusting and really appreciative and and really decisive where they can come in, they can, you know, order from the menu like an adult, they can appreciate the meal, they can have like good conversations and this level of like awareness is is just so helpful and I think it's like, you know, we're a custom shop but we're also experts at what we do. So you can't just tell us what to do. I think, Chase, you've probably seen this, but there's this meme or like image that was floating around that was like, we build you a website, $10,000. You design and build your own website, $100,000. Yeah, Because it's like when a client is so hands-on, it can be such a detriment. Um, And I think, yeah, I think anyways, um, trust, healthy conversations. I think like I said, like bringing the right things to the table. I think that's like a helpful, you know, attitude. Like I'll try to always think of how we can set our clients up for success. Like reminding them like, Hey guys, could you just make sure all consolidated feedback is, is aggregated for Tuesday because we're going to review it together and then we're going to present the next round. And we don't want to take like 10 steps forward and like 20 steps backwards or whatever that saying is. So I do try to have empathy and I do try to think, okay, if they don't know this industry, what do they need to know to be able to work with us really well? Um, but I think as human beings, like the right, the best clients are just like, they're, they're hyped to work with you. And that really like flows through the project because they're able to say like, oh, cool. I never thought about red. Let's go with it. And then they'll stick with their decision. They'll see it through. And we're, it just kind of feels like we're all in this together. And it I don't know. I feel like sometimes clients feel like they need to make it harder than it has to be. Like it doesn't need to be like super serious. And like sometimes there can just be this energy in the room. And I'm like, 
this is also supposed to be really fun. Like you're paying a good amount of money to create this digital product. And, you know, if we're not having fun, what are we all doing here? So mine's more emotional in that sense where like, I just want to work with the right team. And I think clients understanding where they're asking for too much, where they're taking advantage. Like, I think it would be helpful for clients to really refer to the scope and and really talk to us about what they're getting and, and what can be expected. Um, you know, if I don't know something, it's like, how can I hold this tennis racket? Like um, trying to asking questions. I think clients should ask way more questions about how they can help us during the project because it's not just like handing us a bunch of money in a bag and then we're shipping a website. It is such um, an intimate relationship for like three to six to eight months. Very collaborative. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So if people are picking up what you're putting down, how do they get a hold of you? It's so interesting. It's like the luckiest thing of in the world. I think like true good marketing is that word of mouth. Um, and, and that's how we've built our business. Um, I remember like very early on, Michael was like, let's not talk shit. And let's always remember there's more than enough work to go around for everyone. Because I think in our industry, it can be really competitive. You know, it's like, oh, Red Antler did that branding or like, oh, did you see this site drop? Like there is such like the design Twitter ego stuff happening all the time. And I think we were just like, hey, we're two human beings that like working together. We'd be lucky if we got some clients. And I think we've just really snowballed in the best way year after year getting better and better and better. Like I remember we were working with um, Rebecca Joe like four to five years ago and we seriously like got to work with Kerov. We got to work with Diane von Furstenberg. And then we got to work with Sustain Natural, like back to back, three amazing clients. And I was like, oh, this is like a pivotal moment. It's really exciting for us. And um, so yeah, word of mouth. I feel like what happens or what usually the story is, is like someone saw our work and then they were friends with whomever on the client team. And they're like, oh, who did your um, launch site? And they'll be like, oh, human... Um, you can email info at human or Rachel at human. And usually it's just that like really organic um, someone that's worked with us before kind of story, which is pretty cool. I think that's another reason why we haven't put in effort into our own website is because I'm like, man, we're so lucky to have enough work always that like we don't have a lull to go work on our own site. So I think that's kind of nice. And then I also like the word of mouth because it's um it's almost like a filter. Cause I know that like, oh, someone that again, the trust just seems to be everything. So obviously someone is going to trust that we'll do a good job because you know, we were essentially set up on a date through a mutual friend. So I think that knock on wood works really well for us. Oh, absolutely. I can't agree anymore. Referrals are definitely the lifeblood of most service businesses. Um, that's amazing, Rachel. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Is there anything I forgot to ask you that you want to leave before we go? Oh my gosh. Um, I could talk to you forever. Um, no, I, I'm... You know, we also do like minds camp. So hopefully that'll be up and running. Um, I think the question I get most often is like, what things outside of human are we are we working on? Um, so like minds is definitely one of those things that we do. 
But yeah, that was about it. Chase, this was awesome. I want to interview you now. Oh, gosh. Next time, I'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll flip the script. I'll link to Like Minds and all the other cool stuff that you sent over to me in the show notes. Thank you so much. Oh, I hope you have a good one. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their journey and knowledge with us today. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our businesses. Links and more information will be available in the show notes as well. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, feel free to reach out and learn more at electriceye.io slash connect. Also, make sure you subscribe and leave an amazing review. Thank you.